turn with me to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, in the precious word. Got one, two, one, two, it is on. Romans chapter 1. I've got a green light. Green light means? Go. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to make the best of it. Romans chapter 1. And uh, this morning, I simply want to talk to you. I know this is going to be a popular topic, so I'm excited. I'm going to talk to you about the mission of the church. <laughs> there was like two people going, I'm going to talk to you about the mission of the church. <laughs> All right, babe, what's for lunch? Oh, man, I'm going to talk to you about the mission of the church. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, man, I pray that you get more excited as we go. <laughs> anyway, turn with me to Romans chapter 1 in the precious word of God. And, and I want us to zero in on our text this morning, beginning in verse number 8. Beginning in verse number 8, this is, we've just finished uh, Paul's introduction uh, here in this letter. And he says here in verse 8, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Notice what he's saying. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you, for I long to see you. If you're at home, I long to see you. I long to see you. And this COVID-19 has separated believer from believer, has separated church member from church member. And I want you to know that I long to see you. I long to be with you. I long for this thing to be moved and to be taken care of. Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. He says, for I long to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Notice what he says in verse 14. He says, I'm a debtor. He says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel unto you that are at Rome also. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I love that. It's the power of God unto salvation to them that believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for these songs that have directed our thoughts and our hearts and the intents of our thoughts and hearts and our words upward. As we have sought those things which are above, Father, I pray that you are honored and glorified this morning. 
Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture, God, that you will burden our hearts for the mission of the church, God, that we'll not forget our responsibility, God, that you have given each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you will work on the heart of those that may be in this room, those that are watching and worshiping with us that are trying to connect with you for the very first time. Maybe there's those that don't have a relationship with you just yet. Lord, I pray that you would make it abundantly clear that that is your heart's desire to have a relationship with each and every one of us through your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for the church member. I pray for the believer here this morning watching and worshiping with us and those in person, God, that we might be reminded of the wonderful Savior that we serve. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what it has stood for for 40 years For 40 years, sending the gospel light all around the world, God, I pray that you would never let us to shrink back from that responsibility which you have given us. And so, Lord, today I pray that we would be excited. I pray that we would focus our thoughts on you, that we would allow the distractions of the morning to go by the wayside. God, that we would see you do it again. That you would do it again in our hearts and our minds. God, that you would rekindle that fire, that revival that we need for missions. And God, that we would be willing to do what you have called us to do. Lord, we love you and we thank you and praise you for what you'll do in advance. For it's in the most powerful and precious name of your dear son and for his sake that we do pray and ask all things. Amen and amen. Well, you know, to really understand somebody, I think about when we try to figure out what, what when we try to understand one another. By the way, that's a lot of what's going on in 2020. We're not understanding one another because we're not listening to one another. But when we try to understand somebody, we have to first know what influences that person. We have to know what motivates that person. And so I think what's happening a lot in 2020 is a lot of people are talking, but nobody's listening. But in order to understand somebody, whether it be an individual, a corporation, or the church, we have to understand what influences and motivates them. Probably the greatest missionary that ever lived, aside from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came uh, from the Father, you know, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Aside from Jesus Christ, probably the greatest missionary that ever lived was the Apostle Paul. And in our text, if you'll notice in Romans chapter 1, we can clearly see what motivated Paul, what moved him, what, drew, what drove him, what compelled him, if you please. In fact, the Bible says that the love of Christ constrains us. That means it compels us. And so you could see very clearly from Scripture, this is what's going on in the Apostle Paul's life. And I think about where Paul came from. Paul was the guy who consented unto the death of believers. He was someone who persecuted the church. And so when I think about the life of Paul, and I think about where he was and where he came to and the transformation that took place in his life, I can only say thank God for the amazing grace, for the amazing grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There we go. We got more connection there. I love this new system. I got a little note to check my body pack, right? So here's the, here's the deal. Someone has said this. Someone has said to say missionary and to say Christian is to say the same thing. I like that. To say missionary and to say Christian is actually the same thing. And if that's true, then the question becomes, as a church, 
Guys, we're getting ready for missions revival, and you may not know it, but missions excites me. I get excited about missions, and I used to get so excited they dressed me up in tights and I brought around with a table. This is the reality of my life. I've been burdened with this title, Mission Man. Maybe I need to pull out Mission Man again to get you all excited. No, Travis, I won't do it. The last time Travis and I did the Mission Man skit, I broke like two or three ribs because I was trying to tackle Travis. <laughs> Remember I did that chest pump? Yeah, I see you. <laughs> Church, what is it that motivates us? What is it that moves us and drives us and compels us? Because the church has a mission. The mission. After our Lord's resurrection, the angel and then Jesus both instruct the women and tell them to go. They basically, at the, at the tomb, they tell the women to go tell the disciples that Jesus is actually alive. Remember? And they say, go tell the disciples that he's not here. He's risen just as he said. He's alive. And by the way, go tell the disciples to go into Galilee. He's going to see him in Galilee. And in Matthew chapter 28, here's what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And notice verse 17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but, but, there it is, the word but, but some doubted. See, I believe in 2020, we got a lot of people who are doubting. We got a lot of people who are doubting that God is still on his throne. Coronavirus hasn't taken the Lord by surprise. All the unrest in this country has not taken the Lord by surprise. But it's high time that the children of God stand up and do what's right. Start walking by faith and not by sight. Quit worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow and start living for today. Man, I get, might get worked up today. Look at verse 18. He says, but some doubted. Look at verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them. Notice the very first thing that Jesus says. He says, all what? He said, I got the power. He said, all power. He didn't say, I got a little bit of power. I got a little bit of, a little bit of something. He said, I've been given all power. And guess what he said he had? He said, I got all power in heaven and I got all power on earth. I am going to get worked up today. Woo. I can feel it. I can feel it coming on. Must be Taylor's birthday. He said, all power is given into me in heaven and in earth. And then in verse number 19, notice he says, go ye. He said, I got the power, but you got a job to do. He said, go ye, <laughs> therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And notice he goes on. He says, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Obviously, this is known as the Great Commission. And the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples then is the same commission that he gives to you and to me today on September the 20th, 2020. It's the same commission was Hudson Taylor, that great missionary to China, who once said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Folks, the mission of the church, are you ready, note takers? 
It's really, really lofty stuff. The mission of the church is missions. You're like, wow, is that all I came for? Is that all I get today? If you get that, you'll have gotten a lot. If you'll get that, and what I mean is not just simply letting it breeze by, but if you'll get it and you'll let it go from here to here, you'll have gotten a lot today. The mission of the church is missions. Why? Because people all around the world are dying and going to a devil's hell because they've never heard the good news that Jesus Christ died on a cross for their sins. And guess who's guilty? Guess who's got the bloody hands? That's another message. <laughs> who's got the bloody hands? We have the bloody hands. Because we're not telling people that Jesus loves them. We're not, we're not willing to do what it takes to go into all the world, let alone into all of Gainesville, and all of Warrington, and Bealton, and Summer Duck, and Remington, and where else do y'all people live? Culpepper? Culpepper needs the gospel. That place, I don't, even, I don't even travel there alone. I take my bodyguard, Krista, with me. <laughs> I'm just teasing with you. Manassas, they need the gospel. Chuck, Manassas needs the gospel. <laughs> we used to get a lot of people coming over here from Manassas. But now it seems like it's just too much of an inconvenience to drive from Manassas to here. That's where we came from. Gordon and Denise, a bunch of us come from the hollers and hills of Manassas. In the back of my Bible, I've written down, and this Bible, man, I was looking when I pulled up here. Listen, my wife, by the way, this Bible's got duct tape on it, and I'm holding this Bible on for dear life because I love this Bible. My wife bought me a new Bible uh, about a year and a half ago, and I've yet to use it behind the pulpit yet. And uh, I'm sure she probably looks at it and thinks, wow, I guess he really didn't like that Bible. No, it's just that I love this Bible that I've had for so many years. And in the back of my Bible, I've written down the words of Bob Hughes. Bob Hughes is that late missionary to the Philippines, established a worldwide ministry. And he said these words. He said, why do you need a call when you have a command? And why do you need a voice when you have a verse? that tells you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, listen, as Christians, we've been redeemed for a purpose. Look again with me in our text at verses 14 and following. Paul makes some, what's very interesting to me, Paul makes some I am statements in three verses in succession. And, and I'm going to connect the dots here in a second, but pay attention with me. He says in verse 14, he says, I am a debtor. He says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel unto you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so this morning, I just want us very quickly to examine these three statements from the Apostle Paul in order to understand what our real mission is all about. And so if you're a note taker, just like Paul, a church on mission is going to understand their obligation. A church that's on mission is going to understand their obligation. And so we just looked at the three I am statements of the Apostle Paul. 
And, and what's interesting to me is if we look throughout Scripture, particularly in John's Gospel, right, you'll see Jesus making some I am statements over and over and over again. In John chapter 6, he says, I'm the bread of life. John chapter 8, he's the light of the world. John chapter 10, he's the door. He's the good shepherd. In John chapter 11, he's the resurrection and the life. John chapter 14, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And then in John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine. But in comparison, what did Paul say? He said, I'm a debtor. He said, here's what I am. Jesus is all those things. He said, but here's what I am. He said, I am a debtor. I think about what the book of the Revelation says over and over. In fact, there's four times in the book of the Revelation that Jesus Christ himself actually says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, he's referencing the fact that he's the beginning and he's the ending. He's the first and he's the last. He says that on four separate occasions just in the book of Revelation alone. And in Revelation chapter 1 in verse number 18, Jesus actually says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And notice he says, he says amen. That's right, he says amen. And then notice what he says. And have the keys of hell of death. In other words, Jesus is clarifying the point that he does have all power in heaven and in earth. I'm the, I'm the key. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who has all the keys. I'm the one that unlocks the door because I am the door. I'm the one that shows you the way because I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one that gives you life because I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. See, when we start connecting the dots here of what Jesus said and what Paul says, it should really prick our hearts to understand that as a church, if we're going to be on mission, we got to understand our obligation. Verse 14, look at that verse again. Paul says, I'm a debtor. That, that word debtor means that I owe something. I'm indebted. I'm indebted. And notice what he says. He says, I'm a debtor. And he he doesn't say right here that I'm a debtor to Jesus Christ. Notice, he says, I'm a debtor to the Greeks. In other words, he says, I'm indebted to the cultivated crowd. He says, I'm indebted to the barbarians, the uncivilized crowd. We got an uncivilized crowd in the United States running around today. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Am I right, Dina? We got the cultivated crowd. I don't, I don't know how the air smells up there. Because I'm not a part of the cultivated crowd. I probably am on the uncivilized crowd, aren't I? I'm looking at my wife for the answers here. <laughs> but you know what? I don't care if I'm the cultivated or the uncivilized. All I know is Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones. Oh, yeah. Never mind. I won't start singing. Paul says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise. By the way, the moment you think you're wise, it's a lot like the moment you think you're humble. You know what Andrew Murray said, the moment you think you're humble, you're not. And so if you think you're wise, you're probably not. There's a lot of people running around with their halo on so tight, they think they're so much smarter than everybody else. You're probably not that smart. There's always somebody smarter, bigger, and stronger than you. 
I remember when I was a little kid, I used to think I was going to set the world on fire. I was like, I'll take them. My brother and I, I had five, four brothers, so five of us boys. We thought we could, we could beat anybody up. We thought, oh, yeah, Corcoran's, we'll, we'll take you apart. You look at me the wrong way, Dave. I'm coming at you. But, you know, I quickly found out, second grade, <laughs> that I didn't have to tangle with everybody. Guys, Paul says, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. He says, I'm a debtor because I've been taken from death to life. I've walked in darkness, and now I'm walking in the light and the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, Paul realized he had a personal obligation to, to seek the spiritual well-being of every person that he could. As a Jew, he felt obligated to reach out to the cultured and the uncultured crowd. As someone who had been well-educated, set at the feet of Gamaliel, he was an intellectual man, if you please. He felt obligated to reach out to the uneducated or the ignorant person. Paul, if you go to Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1, as a Jew of Jews, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as Philippians tells us in Philippians chapter 3, Paul understood that his heart's desire from Romans 10.1 was that all of Israel would be saved. He wanted Jew and Gentile alike to, to come to Jesus. Oh, the church has the same mission today, and I just think, I just happen to believe. See, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit simple-minded, but I happen to believe that if we were a little bit more, if we felt a little bit more indebted, then we'd probably do a better job of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul understood he was a debtor to Jesus and those who had come before him. Look up at, look up at the beginning of Romans chapter 1. Look at verses 1, 1 and following. Paul says here, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets. See, Paul understood he was a debtor not only to Jesus, but to those that came before him. Watch, it says, in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power. Notice, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of of the dead. Oh, my friends, in Galatians chapter 2, it was Paul who said, I'm crucified with Christ. He said, I've been crucified. I'm a debtor. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. He said, but Christ, see, you guys see me living, but what you need to understand is that it's not me living, it's Christ that's living in me and through me and out of me. Man, I am worked up today. He says, in the life that I now live, he says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, because of Jesus, Paul's life was changed. His life was transformed. And because of Jesus, Paul understood that he had an obligation. Folks, as believers, you and I need to understand that God has given us so many blessings. See, sometimes I think we forget all of the blessings that God has given us. I think that we forget all the blessings that he's given us. I think I may have figured out what's going on with this mic. Maybe that'll help it. You see, God has blessed us with his word. He has blessed us with his beautiful creation and his gift of new life. Those who recognize, repent, and receive his son, Jesus Christ. I think about not just the blessing of his word and his creation and the opportunity to give new life. Folks, in this country, we have been blessed. 
I got news for you. I was watching some videos, some videos that we're going to show. Some of them we haven't even planned. I know Taylor and Colby, we've already planned the services. We're going to show some videos. I know I'm in trouble. I was watching some videos this week, and I saw and was reminded, because, see, I've been around the world. I've seen a few things in my time, and I've seen, you've seen it. You've seen how people live in Colombia, and I'm not talking about Columbia, Maryland, or Missouri. I'm talking about the country of Colombia. And you go up on the hillside in Medellin, Colombia, and you start to see how people live, and you remember, man, God has blessed the United States of America. Oh, we better wake up. We have been blessed in this country, and if we don't wake up, we're going to ruin it. That's another message. That's an after-church message. We've been blessed with this church. And we're getting ready to do some renovation work. That man sitting back there has given his life over and over and over to build this place and to renovate this place. And it has stood for 40 years. And it's come time now that we got to do some renovation work. And guess what? Just like Jerry Stanley of old stood up and said, I'll do it. I need some men and women to stand up and say, I'll do it. We've been blessed with this church. We've been blessed with an opportunity to go into all the world. Over 130 missionaries and ministries that we support. Not because I'm great or because you're great, but because God is great. All these things, guys, didn't just happen. They didn't happen in Paul's life and they haven't happened in our life. You see, God, a very God, intervened. He intervened in your life. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, it's because he intervened. And the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God intervened and said, no, 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 it's time for you to have a relationship. It's time for your eyes to be enlightened. That's why Paul said, he was going, he was telling Agrippa, right? He said, here's my mission to open the eyes and bring them from darkness to light through the power of the gospel. Well, listen, Paul, who once persecuted the church, realized that everyone needed to know Jesus. Folks, the reason we have missions revivals and the reason that I like to bring missionaries in here on regular basis is because we need to remind ourselves of the mission and our obligation to go into all the world and preach the gospel. By the way, Jesus said, go ye. He said, go ye as you're going. You know, go essentially means go. It means to traverse, it means to travel, it means to depart, it means to journey. Yes, the mission of the church is missions and our missionary obligation, my friends, this is going to probably rub your fur the wrong way, but our missionary obligation is a mandatory obligation. It is not something that we can shirk. Guess what? God will close the doors of this place if you start shirking our missionary responsibility. He'll write Ichabod over the lentils of these doors. And the next thing you know, you'll see some kind of art gallery up here on the hill. What a shame that would be. A church on mission understands their obligation. But secondly, like Paul, a church on mission takes advantage of their opportunities. You see, 2020, as terrible as some of you think it has been, it has been filled with opportunities, but I'm afraid instead of buying up those opportunities, taking advantage of those opportunities, what most people have done, and I know I'm supposed to stay by the front, this is what they've done. They've gotten and they've closed themselves in and they've isolated themselves and said, no, no, no. Instead, what we should be doing is going into the highways and the hedges and compelling them to come in. 
By the way, we never closed. This church never closed. We had online services. We're still open for business. We still want people to be saved. We still want lives to be changed. In verse number 15, notice what the Apostle Paul said. He said, so as much as in me, I'm ready. That phrase ready means that Paul says, I'm eager. He said, I'm eager. I'm enthusiastic. He says, I'm eager. I'm ready to go and to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. You see, Paul was anticipating the opportunity that he would be given no matter what difficulties may lie ahead. It was Thomas Edison who once said these words. He said, opportunities are missed by most people because they're usually dressed in overalls and they look like work. My grandpa Corcoran, my grandpa Corcoran, I remember he always wore overalls. I would go to Illinois and see my grandpa Corcoran. He was a sugar diabetic and uh, it was a whole story. My grandma would trick me all the time. She would make him sugar-free desserts and and it was a whole thing. I got the nickname Eagle Eye from my grandpa Corcoran because I would always, I would always uh, be eyeing his dessert to see if he had more pudding than I did or more jello than I did. And uh, I think my grandmother intentionally put his dessert in front of me so that I would switch. And because she knew I was always going to switch desserts with grandpa, well, my grandpa always wore or overalls. Because my grandpa Corcoran wasn't afraid of work. My grandpa Corcoran wasn't afraid of work. He was out in the garden. He was out farming. Drove a bakery truck. He did all kinds of stuff. But you know what he did? He also enjoyed the opportunities and took advantage of the opportunities. I was told, and, and remember even as a little kid, my grandpa Corcoran didn't sing like my dad or, or my aunt. But guess what? He led the singing at the church. He'd get up and lead the singing in that old little town church because he'd buy up the opportunities. He was a hard worker, but he wasn't afraid of taking advantage of those opportunities. Folks, we need to take advantage of the opportunities that God puts in front of us. Paul said he was ready. He knew that every day was a new opportunity, another chance to share the love and the truth of Jesus with people. And he said, guess what? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm eager to preach the gospel. By the way, let me clear up a misconception. Being a part of a church on mission does not require oratorical ability. It does not require intellectual ability. It does not require physical or even financial ability. As Dr. Gray, pastor that I served with in Missouri, he used to say, all that is required is availability and dependability. See, we think that we got to be, oh, well, I didn't go to Bible college. Either did I for a long, long time. But you know, I was still able to tell people about Jesus. Well, I, I don't serve as a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't make a difference. If you're available and you're dependable, God will use you. Can you honestly say, like Paul, that you're ready, you're eager, you're enthusiastic about the mission that God has given you? Think about it. Some, every year we take these prayer cards. Have you been enthusiastically praying for your missionary partner all year long? We're coming up on missions revival again. Are you enthusiastically uh, ready to give to send out more missionaries? I pray you are. Are you enthusiastic about going yourself into this Jerusalem? Oh, listen, the reason Paul was ready to preach the gospel 
is at the end of the very next verse. Look at verse 16. At the end of verse 16, this is why he was ready to go. He says, hey, I'm ready to go because guess what? When I go, I know that the power, remember Jesus said all power is given in him in heaven and in earth. He says, I know that the power of God is upon me when I go. I know that I'm going to go in his power and it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Over the past two weeks, I've shared how Jesus said in John chapter 4, he was telling his disciples, remember I, I've shared this past two weeks where he said, look up um, on the fields for they are white already in the harvest. Sadly, if you continue in John chapter 4, Jesus said the sad thing about it is that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are what? Are few. Interestingly enough, uh, the International Bulletin for Missionary Research, the IMBR, continues to report, do you know this? They continue to report that Christianity is still growing. Praise the Lord. Does that excite you? Christianity is still growing. I didn't say Buddhism is growing or Islam. I said Christianity is still growing. People around the world are still being saved. Their lives are being transformed by the power of the gospel to everyone that believeth. In his article... Think Christianity is dying? No, Christianity is shifting dramatically. A gentleman by the name of Wes Granberg Michelson stated this. He said, a century ago, 80% of Christians lived in North America and Europe compared with just 40% today. Beginning in 1980, more Christians were found in the global south than in the north for the first time in a thousand years. Today, the Christian community in Latin America and Africa alone account for one billion people. He went on to reveal that over the past 100 years, just the past 100 years, Christianity grew from less than 10% of Africa's population to over 500 million today. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Over 500 million today, the Pew Research Center estimates that by the year 2030, watch this, 40% of the world's Christians will be African. How amazing is that? He shared that Asia's growth has been enormous as well, with Christianity growing at twice the rate of the population in that continent. The Asian Christian population, watch this, 2025, is expected to swell to over 460 million souls by 2025. That's five years away, less than five years away. To God be the glory. Today, demographers estimate that more Christian believers are found. Here we go to our shame. More Christians believers are worshiping in China on any given Sunday than in the United States of America. What is going on? Statistics go on to reveal that the slowest growth of rate, slowest growth rate of Christianity, guess where? Right here in Northern Virginia. Right here in Virginia. Right here in the United States of America and in Europe. To accomplish the mission of the church, I said this years ago, about three years ago, I think I told you this idea that if we're going to understand the mission of the church, let me just confess, first of all, I'm not a beach guy. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the sand, right? Because then I'm always like, 
I'm like the guy that's always at the little thing washing off my feet. I'm like, did that guy wash off his feet like 10 minutes ago? Yes, that's me again, washing the sand off. But here's what we do. Typically when we get to the beach, now they have these half shelter, like umbrella things or whatever. We typically set up our area. We lay out our towel. We lay out our goodies. And every once in a while we might make a little uh, sand castle or whatever. <laughs> But we typically don't concern ourselves with the area beyond ours. See, if we're going to realize the mission of the church, we're going to have to be concerned with more than just our own beach towel. We're going to have to be concerned with all the other beach towels. I've shared this before, but on social media, and some of you, it, it's still shared. It's not as frequent as it used to be shared, but... It was attributed to Francis Assisi, and it's, it's actually not really a Francis Assisi quote, but it was actually attributed to him, and I see it randomly every once in a while. You'll see it on Facebook or Insta or Twitter and all these different platforms, and it basically goes like this. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Well, first of all... Uh, I'll get back to this in just a second. That's unbiblical. But, but anyway, I agree with the idea that we as Christians should be living our life in a way that draws people closer to God other than pushing them away. We ought to be trying to live in such a way that draws people closer to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But we must be very, very careful, folks. We must be careful not to be duped by this world and the philosophies of men and the wisdom of this world. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 19, the Bible reminds us that the wisdom of the world is what? Foolishness with God. It's through the preaching of the cross, through the preaching of the gospel, that people's lives are saved. And as I said, the, the statement that people attribute uh, to Francis Assisi is not really biblical. In fact, if you do a study in Scripture, and we're not going to go into an entire complete word study, but if you do a study of Scripture of all the times that the word preach comes in the New Testament alone, there's five different Greek words that are used for the word preach. And, if you, and I think we've got them. If you could put them up. These are what those five words mean, and you can take a look at them. Essentially, you can see they indicate the importance of proclaiming, heralding, announcing, uttering, and declaring verbally, notice each one of them, verbally the gospel message. So this idea is of preaching the gospel and, quote, if necessary, use words, is a problem. In fact, in his rebuttal, it was church planter, pastor, and teacher, a gentleman by the name of Ed Stetzer, in his rebuttal to this idea that was circulating uh, more frequently a few years ago, uh, his rebuttal to that statement, here's what he said. He said, preach the gospel, and since it's necessary, use words. See, preach the gospel, and since it is required, since it is necessary, actually use words. He went on to say these, this. He said, the gospel is not a habit, but history. The gospel is the declaration of something that actually happened. Something that took place. Jesus was crucified for the sins of the world. He said, and since the gospel is the saving work of Jesus, it isn't something we can simply, quote, do, but is something we must announce. 
We do and should live out its implications, but if we are to make the gospel known, we will have to do so through words. He concluded by saying, a godly life should serve as a witness for the message we proclaim. So in other words, as we're living our life, that should be a confirmation of what we're proclaiming, what we are declaring, what we are uttering, not the opposite. He goes on, he says, but without words, we cannot, uh, what can our actions point to but ourselves? See, if I'm living a good life and everybody's watching me, then you look and you say, oh, isn't he a good guy? Isn't he a nice guy? He's honest. Doesn't he treat his wife really probably better than any other husband treats their wife? I mean, he's amazing. His wife must really love him. I mean, he does all these bigly things for his wife, doesn't big, you know? No, guess what, that points to me. But when I start sharing the gospel and I live out its implications, guess what? Then it points to Jesus. He says this, he says, a godly life cannot communicate the incarnation, Jesus' substitution for sinners, or the hope of redemption by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He says, we ourselves cannot be good news, but we can herald it, we can sing it, we can speak it, and we can preach it to all who will listen. Oh, my friends, Paul said he was a debtor. He understood that he had an obligation. But he also said, I'm ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel. He says, I'm ready to take advantage of the opportunity that God has given me. In fact, Psalm 96 and verse 3 reminds us that we're to declare his glory among the heathen and his wonders among all people. Oh, let's be ready. Let's be eager to take full advantage of the opportunities that are coming our way. By the way, we got missions revival in two weeks. Let's take advantage of it. You want to know what would be a big Debbie Downer to our missionaries? It's for them to show up and nobody be here. Hey, why don't you all come? We're going to have missions revival. And then the missionaries come, and they're like that old thing, you know. There's the church, there's the door, there's the steeple. Open up, where are all the people? That would be a downer to missionaries, to think that this church who has sent missionaries around the world, by the way, who has supported missionaries and continues to take on more and more missionaries, it would be a hurtful thing for them to come in and see nobody show up. Oh, we have a great opportunity. And finally, I just simply close the message like Paul, a church on mission, realizes that they will face opposition. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. Look at verse 16. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was fearless. He didn't care what was coming his way. He was ready to preach the gospel. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16, Paul writes these words, he says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. He said, it's a requirement. It's been put on me. He says, and woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Woe unto me. I preach not the gospel. By the way, folks, in Paul's day, this thing that has become a symbol of, of jewelry and, and all these wonderful things, and I'm not here condemning cross necklaces or pendants or anything, but in Paul's day, the cross was a symbol of shame. And yet Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to go preach the gospel 
because it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Oh, during that time, in Paul's day, Jesus was either a madman or he was a criminal at worst. The gospel message was identified with a poor carpenter, Jewish carpenter who was crucified. This was not a glamorous message that Paul was talking about. Yet he preached Christ crucified everywhere he went. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20. I want you to see something as we close uh, our message this morning. Acts chapter 20. And notice what takes place. Drop down when you get there to verse number 18. In verse number 18, notice what is taking place in Acts. Paul is has got the elders from Ephesians, uh, Ephesus come, and he's, and he's starting to talk with them. And notice he says in verse 18, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Look at verse 20. How... How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly, not only publicly, but he says, I've done it from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, he says, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things which shall befall me there. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. He says, I'm not afraid. He says, I'm not scared. I'm not ashamed. He said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear, uh, uh, my dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course, watch, with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Paul knows this is the last time. He says, you'll never see me again. You'll never see me again. But he says in verse 26, Wherefore I take unto you record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul said he was not guilty. He had no blood on his hands. That tells me that everywhere he went, everyone he came into contact with, he was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with. That means when he went through the drive through at Jerusalem, he was telling that dude about Jesus. When he went to the drugstore to pick up his medication, he was telling the pharmacist about Jesus. And I'm being facetious, but I hope you get my point. He said, wherefore I take unto you record this day, I am pure from the blood of all men. In spite of his opposition that he faced over and over, Paul was faithful. And if you're not familiar with the opposition that Paul faced, I would encourage you to take your Bible and go read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verses 23 all the way down through verse 31. Because in that text, God's word reveals how Paul suffered beatings often. He was frequently imprisoned. He was stoned, left for dead, by the way, shipwrecked. It goes on and talks about the peril that he faced in the city and in the country and while at sea at the at the hands, quite frankly, of people that he knew, people that he didn't know, and heathens as well. This is a guy who faced sicknesses. He hungered and he thirsted. And you know what? After it was all said and done, you know what he said? He said, I'm a debtor. 
I'm ready. And he said, guess what? I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel. Oh, to him, the mission was clear. I truly believe that God wants to work in and through us as well. And his desire and his plan is to give new life to everyone that believes. That's what verse 16 says. A church on mission understands its obligation. A church on mission takes advantage of the opportunities. And a church on mission understands that they're going to face some opposition. There's going to be some opposition riding up and down this road to Battlefield Baptist Church. But you know what? For 40 years, he's done it again, over and over and over again. And the great news, guys, is that the mission that God has given to the church, I got good news. It's doable. It's doable. It's not doable because I'm great. It's not doable because we're great. It's doable because God is great. Oh, and by the way, I close with one more I am statement. Remember I shared the I am statements of Jesus, and then we've looked at the three I am statements of Paul. I go back to the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20 for one final I am statement. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm with you when? That means he's with us today. That means he'll be with us tomorrow. That's good news. That means he'll be with us next week. It means he'll be with us as long as we have breath. As long as we have life coursing through our veins. As long as we have the ability to go out and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. All my friends, with Jesus Christ as the Savior of our lives, as the one who has all power in heaven and in earth, we don't have to be afraid. We need to understand that we're all debtors. We need to understand, and we need to be ready to share Jesus with the rest of the world. And you need to realize there are going to be some people that hate you for it. But that's okay, because Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16, he said, listen, he said, there's coming a time when they're going to kill you. Was he right? There's going to come a time that the world, he told him in John chapter 16, do yourself a favor, read it. He said, at the very beginning, chapter, uh, verse 1, 2, and 3 and following, you'll see it. He says, there's going to come a time when the world will persecute you. They will kill you, and they will think they're doing the rest of the world a favor. But you get down to the end of John chapter 16, Jesus says, but don't worry about it. <laughs> I love that. They're going to kill you, but don't worry about it, because I've overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, Battlefield, we can do it. I get excited. We can do it. But we have to understand that we're all debtors. We have to be ready. And we cannot, cannot allow this world to try and trick us into feeling ashamed about the gospel. By the way, if somebody, Paul said, if somebody comes to you preaching another gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ, he says, let that person be accursed. Now guess what? If somebody's preaching a different gospel than the one that we find in God's word, you know what you need to do? You need to lovingly confront that person. You don't have to knock them over the head 
You don't have to beat them with a stick. You need to lovingly confront them. And guess what? Then you need to get on your knees and pray for that person. Oh, where would we be if we prayed for one another more? Oh, listen, my friends. The mission of the church is so incredibly important. I pray that you will understand the implications that it has, not only here in this area, but all around the world. And I pray that you will rise up one more time, that you will rise up, ask God to forgive us. Forgive us for our unfaithfulness. A God who is faithful, let's ask him to forgive us for our unfaithfulness and let's recommit ourselves to the mission that he has given us. And the mission of the church is missions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for the word that you have given us today in the reminder that we have all been called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That it's not just for preachers and pastoral staff and Sunday school teachers and choir members and praise team members, nursery workers. That's for all of us, every one of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you will work on our hearts, that you will move us from a position of, quite frankly, unbelief to a position of belief that we will move from not being uh, uh, men and women who walk by faith to men and women who exercise great faith. Help us not to be worried. Help us not to be scared about all the things that are taking place today, but help us to be bold. Help us to walk in the power of the gospel because it's the power of salvation unto them that believe. Lord, I know that in a room this size, there's probably somebody sitting here that's been to church who's heard about Jesus maybe even talked about Jesus but they really don't know Jesus Lord I pray if there's somebody watching online somebody in this room that has never called out upon the name of the Lord I pray that they would understand that Jesus did what he did according to the Father's will because God so loved the world God, I pray that they would realize they're loved. God, I pray that they would realize that God's greatest desire is to have a relationship with them through His Son. That if they'll simply call out upon the name of the Lord, if they'll simply say, Lord, please forgive me. Forgive me of my sinfulness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. God, I know based on the authority of Scripture that that's exactly what you'll do. You will not delay, but you will hear and answer that prayer because that's according to your will and your plan and your purpose. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.